Hello and uh, welcome to the Danger Club New Year DMQ special with me, James Lockhart, a.k.a. Velda Kemblight, and... And me, Dan Thompson, a.k.a. The Party DM. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just wishing everyone a very happy Christmas. Hope you all had a, a great festive time. Do you have a good time, Dan? I did. This is nice, isn't it? It is nice. It is sitting here by the fire, a couple of Chesterfields, a couple of whiskies. Oh, it's very civilised. We're, we're very festive right now. Mm. I don't know why we kept wearing our Santa costumes. Um, well, it's, it's getting pretty foul by now, I'm going to admit. But, it's uh, pretty hey, smelly in it's here. It's still Christmas until the new year, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it, it is been a fun Christmas like we've been working non-stop I don't yeah. think that's a lie I think everyone knows we we recorded a lot of episodes right before December to get us through yes, this we because we have all been working at various uh crazy various Christmas gigs um have you have you had exciting fun Christmas shows uh they were certainly they were certainly there there were fun Christmas shows and um, lots of varied jobs, lots of uh, ranging from the sort of absurd to the, the more traditional sort of festive festive things. But uh, all in all, a very successful festive period. Um, how about yourself? I ruined Christmas for some children. Oh. Um, and I, I, had some good, I had some good stuff and bad stuff. Like the, my favourite bit was... Wait, I was wait, t- wait. I mean, what was that about ruining Christmas for children? I mean, that, that's the very antithesis of Christmas. All right, okay. I feel I buried the lead on that. It's, uh... <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> so do, right. you want, do you want to elaborate on how you ruined Christmas for children? One of my gigs uh, in the run-up to this Christmas, which I, I've never done before, you and, you and Drum have done this a few times in the past, was to, be, uh, was to help out Santa Claus by... By putting on a Santa costume and uh, meeting kids and listening to their uh, being a mall Santa basically mm. um, for a, a company and uh, uh, it went broadly very well and it was a really fun experience it's except for on one day when um, my elf went off to uh, find out where the groups were and uh, I, you know I'm, I'm sitting relaxing uh, the elf says oh I'm going to go and find out wh- when the next booking is alright right, cool let me know um she never comes back. The next thing I know is the door opens and a family walk in, four children and their mother. And I'm sitting there, (laughs) beard off, wig off, hat off, on my phone. Having a beer? No, listening to our podcast. (laughs) Oh, that's fine then. And my phone has the Danger Club logo on the front. So these kids walk in, they're, they're, mythical illusion of Santa is shattered. And in that moment, they see danger club podcast and they hear ross going nay (laughs) (laughs) well i hope you gave him a flyer yeah Um, oh i did i was like what did you do do you say tune in folks sorry Um, i said sorry i put my costume on and i rattled through the show while they looked at me like i was a liar (laughs) 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 oh you're right you did ruin christmas for those kids oh wow that's um yeah that's pretty intense (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, well, that's, that's actually, that's an interesting tale. Um, mm. Sort of dovetails into, you know, maybe the role of a DM. Uh, so you've got Father Christmas. Nice. He's a somewhat mythical figure, um, unless you're a believer, in which case he totally exists. And uh, you would say you hold the hopes and dreams of the children who come to see you in, in your hands, don't you really? As, you've as worked Christmas. on this link. This is great. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, now, the DM holds the hopes and dreams of his party in his hands, doesn't he? Yes. Yes, he does. Um, he is the Lord and Master of our of our reality. So, um, yeah, yeah. There's some uh, there's some links there. Links there. Um, now, obviously, we we you wouldn't shatter our hopes and dreams, right? Never. No. I no, I no. I'm here to make you happy. That's he said the ice for. tinkling in his large whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see the smile that's on his face, but it is chilling. It's chilling. Oh. 
Um, now, before we get sort of into the meat of this, I just want to make a big shout out, as always, to our amazing Dangerlings. You guys are great. Um, we've had loads of questions for Dan and um, a few for sort of the party, but we haven't we, we can't really answer those because it is just myself and Dan. Um, but thank you so much. You guys have been brilliant this year. And uh, yeah, yeah, really looking forward to to uh, to hearing your feedback on this. So thanks, guys. Yeah. I think I think it's just us. I never totally don't trust that Scott is not just hiding in a cupboard or something Probably. and will burst out at any point to join oh, yeah. a recording. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I really wouldn't put it past him at all. Um, so Scott, if you're here, no, he's keeping quiet for the moment. All so right. uh, <laughs> 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 genuinely, he might be here. Um, so now I know that Christmas is is past. Um, you're hearing this on New Year's Day, um, but I think I think we can cast our minds back for a moment, and uh, you know, to a to a Christmas cautionary tale that's uh, that's quite quite popular. So so picture the scene: uh, you're in a bedroom. It's it's dimly lit. There's a few candles guttering away. Where's this scene going? Because this is this is sounding pretty sexy. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's a large false poster bed. It's very comfortable, very comfortable surroundings, and uh, and lying in that bed is our eponymous hero. That's right. It's uh, Scrooge McDan. <laughs> <laughs> He's lying there with his little sleeping nightcap on and uh, his copy of How to Kill Your Party and Have Them Still Like You uh, written on his chest, and um, he's. Uh, He's just sort of gradually falling into sleep and, and gradually the snow is fluttering down and it might be Christmas Day the next day. And then suddenly he hears a rattle of chains. Oh, that's right. A rattle of chains from somewhere. And he opens his eyes and he looks and a glowing figure steps forward out of the nothingness, wreathed in chains. That's right. And uh, it's, a, it's Jacob Fardine. That's right. The oh, ghost no. of... The ghost of adventures past. That's right. He says, "Oh, you think you forgot about me? Oh, you left me behind at the carnival, but here I am. Gonna ask you some questions about the ghost of adventure past." Are you gonna do all these questions as Fardine? Because you'll no. regret that. No, no, I'm not. No, and uh, unbidden in your mind come the following questions. Uh, now uh, we are we are going to uh, to list these. So the first question we have is from our star dangling uh, Freya Hansen. Yay. Hey Freya. Hey Freya. A lovely, lovely lady. And she says, uh, do we discuss things we're going to do or try off air? Or is it all spur of the moment? Oh, we barely talk off air. Like we're barely friends yeah. um, away from the moment. No, um, there's a little bit of chat. Like we have a Slack and things where we run um, the behind the scenes of the show and, and, and sort things out. Most of that is just trying to get us all in the same room. Uh, but there is a bit of discussion um, about things uh, that are going to be done. Not as much as I've done on other campaigns. There's, there's a Scott likes to have a lot of um, off count um, off um, air chat to like plan things, uh, and other people join in. But um, everyone's you know everyone's quite busy for. But I try and ask people questions if I know the stuff that's going to come up. If I'm going to do personal plot relating to people, or if I'm going to follow up on things that people have done. Um, I'll usually try and get hold of one of you on your own and just be like, "Hey, I, I want to explore this in this episode, or uh, what? Can you elaborate on this bit of your backstory a bit more, so maybe we can use um, a little bit of that." That that is an interesting point as well, because of course I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but we do provide a bit of backstory to Dan. Yeah. Um, that we don't necessarily tell the other players; it's up to you to reveal. That Dan can then take details of and construct stuff. I mean, I think we've had some examples, haven't we? Yeah, there's some of it is starting to come up. I know Shania has talked a lot about hers uh, recently, uh, and we'll get a chance, I hope, to explore all of them. We nearly explored Fulton's. Um, 
except for Velda. Very slushy. Very slushy. Uh, nobody <laughs> wanted to hear that. Uh, but they're all kind of. I, I, I'm. I'm the sort of moderate believer in backstory for these things. I always want people to write a little bit of a backstory. Um, but I'm also. I don't want pages and pages of backstory on a character. Partly because I do not have time to read that. Um, but also, it's because I think the story is what happens to your character from the point the game starts. It's nice to have a little bit of background to kind of get you started. Um, but your story should begin the moment the game begins. You shouldn't always be harking back to stuff that happened before then. That's not what we're here to do. Yeah, yeah. And I've just thought of this. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to weave this into the narrative, maybe. It's completely yeah. your uh, prerogative if you do. Um, would you find that too much detail might be a bit constricting in how you kind of get it into the story? It can a little bit. And also for a podcast, you have to um, you have to be trying to show, not tell. And you have to be trying to remember that this is... We're here... We're, we're an entertainment podcast. Yeah. And we have to remember that our audience haven't read any of these backstories and they don't know us and they certainly don't know any in-jokes of like forming things so we're always trying to avoid stuff like that so mm. anything that comes in has to be has to be rooted and has to be well explained um, and there's some stuff of that happening at the moment um, particularly with Karagor and with Shania as well and I hope that we're doing that I hope that we're getting that stuff and kind of layering it so it, it makes sense I yeah I would say there's definitely some more of that coming up um, you guys won't have heard yet but there is there is that exploration so yeah, interesting. Oh, interesting. a bit of it. It's oh, going to be good. It's going to be real good. Uh, anyway, that is, uh, that's the, the future. And we're talking about the past. Uh, now, this is a question that... Um, well, this is a question that I'm sort of uh, posing. Uh, how long had you wanted to be part of or to run a Pathfinder podcast? Um... For quite a while, really. Because you're a Critical I, Role fan, I think. Uh, we mentioned Critical yeah. Role before. They're they're like the the original sort of uh, podcast. But but how, how we, long has it been? Yeah, we watched Critical Role back when it first started a few years ago, and and we'd already been playing for uh, quite a long time. Uh, based on that, uh, and then there have been other ones, other podcasts that we've listened to recently that uh, that I've liked um, and have felt, you know, what we could do this, we could do something with that. Um, but it was more. For the over the last year or so before we started the podcast, uh, we had just a lot of people coming up to us. Like we, I've said, I think back in like episode one, I've said we we play in a pub um, when we have our social games, um, and so and we're loud because we're actors, and so we have lots of people coming over and, and watching, and we kept having people coming up to the table and being like, "Can I just sit in and watch a bit of this game?" And that kind of made me realise there's something we could do here. We could yeah. we could do a story. We could we could tell something like that. Um, and I'd done a few other podcasts up till that point that I hadn't sort of that had never lasted beyond a few episodes. And I was like, this is something we could do that we could run uh, and that we could really invest in and, and could be something really it could be something really fun. Um, it has killed our Monday game uh, as it was. Um, our, our sort of social game um, because I can't run two campaigns simultaneously. No, no <laughs> that's, that's insane. That's, yeah. um, but fortunately, Ross has stepped into the breach and now runs um, a fifth edition D and D. The other guys, uh, he runs that on Monday nights, uh, and we're having a blast doing that. And it's nice to be a player in that. Um, I see you, fifth edition. We see you, fifth and edition. we see you, and we play you a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, now, when we're on the, the, the mentions of the, the past, mm. um, I understand that, there, that you did make a shout out to some other D&D groups out there, uh, a little dovetail, because obviously there are a lot of groups in London oh, yeah. and a lot of interest uh, that, that people have been doing. And um, we, we got, a, got a story 
of uh, other people's past plans oh, that didn't particularly yeah. go very well. So as we're on the subject of the past, looking back at the year we've just had, um, what's what's the what's yeah? The sort of top I want to read a couple of these out. So I um, I put a shout out to um, some other players around London um, because where we've just been in the episode with fighting zombies on the half light path and with that insane plan of someone will throw someone else down there then they'll jump down yeah. then someone else will get hauled up then yeah. someone won't hold anyone up and then it was Benny Hill music's playing yeah it's... it was it was the Chuckle Brothers of plans <laughs> um, we specialise in those it nearly got you all killed so yeah. I, I asked people if they had any ideas of uh, of plans that they had done in their games um, so I think my favourite one um, Lewis Collins um, dropped me a message uh, I want someone a weasel to clear out a bar so we could sneak in he doesn't explain how how that would have helped. Why, no, why a no. weasel would have I mean, cleared a How part. big was this weasel? I, I mean, know. I'm imagining something a... with massive arms just going about. Regular. Uh, it didn't work. So they sent in the barbarian uh, to try and kill the weasel because uh, they thought that might clear the bar, like a uh, nine-foot game of whack-a-mole. Uh, that didn't work. Um, so in the end, they just, uh, they just did a diplomacy check, got a natural 20, and everyone left. Standard way uh, of fixing oh, wow. it. Wow. I like that that was their third call. <laughs> Why was that their third call? I like that was their third what? call after after sending in the weasel. I mean, is that a druid thing? I don't know. I mean, how do you, what, summon dire weasels? I mean, how, what? That would have been someone's animal companion. Like, wow. That's extraordinary. Um, they'll be a fan of Ross. There's another, uh, Ross Ras Salam McLaren. Um, said uh, he, he once spent a whole evening looking uh, entirely for wolf poop. Oh. Um, that was a, no explanation as to what it was used for. Right, just that he spent an entire game searching. Splendid. That's that's what you want, isn't it? Really, just uh, no, no explanation of why he wanted the wolf poop. My uh, my my mate did that in a LARP once. There was a uh, there was like a gathering. Seriously, there was a not wolf poop, but there was a gathering mechanic where you could go and like you could go and forage for herbs, and you got these little slips that said what herbs were, and you could use them for crafting. Right, and he went there every game. He went to the desk. He went, I want to forage for scorpions, and they were like, what? And he was like, I want some scorpions, please. And they like, oh, whatever, man. And they just write scorpions on a bit of paper and give it to him. And he did this for about a year until the end boss turned up, at which point he came running out of the woods and threw a shoebox at it full of bits of paper that said. <laughs> scorpions on it and just shouted show me on your sheet where it says you're immune to scorpions <laughs> Genius, that mate. is commitment uh, wow i think they killed him uh, um, i think they probably i think that's fair as think any that's dm fair. should yeah yeah exactly exactly so uh Oh, oh but thanks, guys. That D and uh, D UK um, Facebook. Group. There's some great stories. There's some there. great stories. On and there. yeah, it's it's interesting. We, with, as Dan said earlier, we we did get so much interest from people who've heard of D and D or Pathfinder, and you know maybe had an interest, and they come up. And and if you do have an interest and you're listening to the podcast, you know do seek out one of these groups because it is it's great. Oh fun. yeah, it there's is great so fun. many good uh, so so many. And um, well, now this is uh, the last question. Mm. For uh, for the past, for the as past. it were, uh, and this is from uh, Miles Eve, who's uh, another long time fan yeah. of the show. They're hey, great, Miles! Very good guy. Hi, Miles. And um, he says, "I want to know how Dan set up the map for combat. He is clearly looking at the squares when you are positioned. Now, this this comes up quite a lot uh, because you know often if you're using imagination, it's quite hard to tell." who and where you are and wh what you're doing. So, Dan, do you want to answer this yeah, one? Yeah, Miles scares me because he pays attention. Uh, he does. So, yeah, this is a the standard way of playing um, Pathfinder and uh, certainly a lot of D20-based uh, games is you do 
increasingly now tend to play it with a battle map and you play it with miniatures and you are moving things around this board and five feet of movement is one square on this board or yeah. one hex or and that's kind of how you um, move stuff around how you know where everything is and it, it does get quite useful at later levels when everything has ranges and everything has areas of effect and, and all this sort of stuff um, we don't tend to use that because again partly because we started off by playing in a pub and so we just didn't have space for it uh, and also because it's never the way that i've you know i started off role playing uh, hanging out in playgrounds without dice you know i i've never had that kind of scope to have miniatures and all this sort of stuff with it as well um, and then when we did the podcast we sort of made a decision partly influenced by the fact that our table is covered in microphones and we don't have a lot of spare <laughs> yeah. space. I mean, some of us can't even reach the dice trays, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but also because we know we're, doing, we're telling an audio story and so we want it to be... And there have been bits I've heard in other podcasts where... You know, people will say things like, I'm going to move over there or I'm going to move, I want to stand next to that guy or things that don't necessarily come across in audio. So I figure if we can make it, it makes it that layer harder for us, but it means that we're having to describe the scene all the time and describe physically what our characters can see and what is happening. And hopefully that makes it easier for people to know what's going on. But yeah, as Miles noticed, I do have a map a lot of the time behind what passes for my screen because i don't do really, you i i sometimes i will have one behind the ipad for particular things where it's important like the zombie fight positioning is really important in that because yeah. the zombies can either move or attack um right. and that's quite an important thing about them so you do it, sort of it, it was a lot of movement based solution yeah. we had on that it was basically dodging around and running away and that, and that is the way to survive them because they're they're very cleverly done in in pathfinder um, as I'm sure you will find out uh, in the future, um, is that zombies are very slow and hard to get you. But if they catch you, and if there's a few of the, a few of them catch you at once, they can do horrible damage to yeah. you. Um, so it's quite important to know where everyone is and how much movement everyone's got. Yeah. So I had a little mini map behind the thing, which I will do sometimes, where I'm sitting there with a pencil and an eraser, and I'm kind of just keeping notes on roughly where everyone is, so I've got an idea. And it's not so good for things like really specific stuff, like if you want to do clever things like hitting an area effect spell that only gets certain people, and you know. Um, but it is quite good for just knowing where everyone is. How that will work for us once we get into high-level play, eventually, um, I don't know. Because it does become more important later on when you've got spells that have, you know, lines and particular areas of effect and things like that. And it is helpful to know that stuff. So, and especially with attacks of opportunity and reach and all, all this stuff becomes easier. But that said... We have played a couple of campaigns, um, one up to level 19 in 3.5, uh, our most recent one in Pathfinder up to level 12, um, and we've gotten into sort of mid to high level play and haven't had battle maps. Mm. So I've, I'm kind of confident that we'll be able to do it, but also we can't totally control which modules we play because the, the, the Dangerlings decide that, yeah. and sometimes they will pick ones that are quite uh, map heavy. Um, I, I, I'm thinking of um, I'm thinking Godsmouth Heresy will be quite a stress test for that. Like it's a very different kind of setup to yeah. um, uh, Murder's Mark um, and more traditional. So I, I think there is going to be more describing of um, of combat layouts and things like that, and we'll just have to see how it works. And I think it's going to be all right. Yeah, and I think um, just on the last point of that, you've mentioned before that of course when you're looking at battle maps and things, it's a lot easier if you're inside. 
Yeah. So just like a normal computer game, if you're playing a dungeon crawler, it's much easier to see, there's a corridor, there's a room, there's a this, there's a that. Whereas, of course, I think when you're outside, it gets a lot harder yeah. because you, well, how big's your map? Really, I mean, it, it could be. It should be vast if you've got flying creatures and things like that. So, I I also yeah. think it can having a battle map can sometimes make you play the game a little bit more like a board game and a little bit less like an immersive role playing game. True. I, I think it takes you out of the action slightly. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not a fan of them if you can avoid them, but I, yeah, I do see the benefit. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Might be interested to hear uh, Dangerling's comments on that in the future. Do you, say, you, if you, if use, you, battle do you maps? use battle maps? Exactly, exactly. Uh, well. Uh, well, I hope you've learned something from the past. I have, Fardine. Yes. Oh, now it's time for you to go. And he flaps his huge ethereal ghostly ears and you feel a rush of wind and you close your eyes. He's ridiculous. (laughs) He is ridiculous. And then when you open them, you feel the cold snow under your feet. And there is a small man standing in front of you, oh, and he's no. he's glowing slightly golden like this. That's right, and it's it's Melton Rattlestones. <laughs> That's right. What? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he says, "Here I am, Melton Rattlestone. I'm eating my. Do you want some hot meat? Yeah, all right. Oh, oh, all right, I eat some hot meat. It's it's pretty rank. Uh, all right. Oh, this is the ghost of adventures present. Hey, come with me. And he beckons you towards a window, oh. and you you stand in front of the window. The snow gently falling around you, although you can't feel the cold. And you look in, and there's your party. There's James and Scott and Drum and Ross and and Colin huddled round a table with a with a little single candle guttering feebly, and they're oh. and they're passing round the only piece of of festive pocket meat they've got you know drums ready to ready to cut it and, and spread it apart specifically passing it like just passing so just, it just, just, just no, passing and it, it gets back around a Ross and Rossi yeah Ross and <laughs> no Ross ate it and you're like oh that's Christmas that's Christmas and uh, and unbidden again questions arise into your mind about uh, about adventures present Ooh. Uh, now the the first of these is from Freya again mm-hmm. uh, thank you Freya you are very active on the questions which is great and she says I know most of you have played before the podcast. Uh, how has your guys' playstyle changed since being recorded? Now, appreciate we can't really talk for, for our players' playstyle, but have you noticed any changes? Has your DMing style changed, or have you noticed that we've been playing differently, or, or how has it been? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I've um, There have been some changes. I think I talked in the last DMQs about how I, I DM differently. Um, for this because you have to be aware that we're dming for the extra person at the table which is which is you guys yeah um so we're 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 telling a story effectively rather than just playing um for our own benefit because when you dm for your group they're your audience and you know all you've got to do is make things entertaining for them whereas in this case i've got to be thinking about things that will make this a good show Uh, the biggest thing that makes it different is how we end uh sessions when we're doing um when we're doing this I'm not a fan of using cliffhangers when I'm DMing um, games for uh, for friends, especially if you can have like a week or something break in between your games. I like to leave players with something to think about. So I'll generally leave players by um, giving them a piece of information at the end of a game and wrapping it up on that rather than, and you fall off the thing and we leave it there. Sometimes that's nice, mm-hmm. but a cliffhanger doesn't necessarily give you anything to talk about on the game. So I like leave, leaving with a thing that you guys can then go away and you're just discussing this. And we've had ones where I've given you a thing and you guys are just on our, our group chat just discussing it for a week until yeah. we get back to it, um, which is a great way to run a, a social game doesn't work for a podcast because none of none of you as the audience get any of that 
content so yeah. it, it's pointless so it's good to end those on like big fun cliffhangers so that's quite exciting yeah i think it gives you more flexibility about of course where to end it i mm. mean you might have noticed that each episode some of them run over long um we've tried to stick to an hour generally yeah. but some are a bit shorter some a bit longer because they, i think there's often a natural point to finish it at yeah so, usually yeah. you can tell like we when we record colin gives me a signal when we're over the hour mark or around the hour mark sometimes sometimes i miss it um we and should, we should we, do a live video one day of all yeah, the random hand things my my poor lamp gestures uh, I, I punch james's lamp. he punches oh. it all the time and i'm just gonna, very expressive yeah but <laughs> No, the the main way that a it's podcast DM as well. <laughs> the the main way it's changed, I think, in terms of of the way you guys play, you are more conscious of the fact that we're um, that we're telling a story. You know, we we've had things that we've agreed. Yeah, you know, talking about stuff that we sort of plan offline a little bit. Like we've agreed that we're not going to spend loads of time doing shopping games. Although, strap in, um, I won't spoil stuff that's coming up. Um, we well, yeah, we're not gonna oh, we're not gonna do too many things that are repetitive kind of stuff you would do and get or like have a, a whole half hour off crafting, um, which is another thing that you can't um, sort of do. You have to kind of direct people um, a little bit um, when you're doing it because we've got to keep the story on track. Um, but you guys are pretty good at picking up where the story's meant to be going and kind of following that. But the main difference I think is how much more character everyone is kind of bringing into. Um, their characters everyone has really started this by having an idea of a character that they want to play and then you've all kind of gone and attached a class and a a race and things to that i think in the past when we've played games like you do when you're playing a social game you're like oh i want to try out that special ability so you kind of start with thinking i'm going to play that and then you sort of fit some stuff around it yeah uh, and the character grows naturally uh, as a result of it whereas everyone's got very strong characters in that which i really really like Mm -hmm. um i think that's probably the biggest change but there's not it's not as much as you'd think. Like this is, there is yeah. less messing around, um, and we're a little bit stricter on like content quality because we want it to be good. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty I'd, close. I'd, yeah, and I'd, I'd say what the, the thing is, we've trimmed the fat a bit, haven't we? To oh, be yeah. honest, and and also when we were talking about um, doing a podcast. Um, without sounding too egotistical, we thought we were quite entertaining and we'd had a lot of interest from people sort of, you know, about the game. And um, we didn't want to strip too much of that away mm. because obviously what... I think off-air we've, we've spoken before and of course you might have experience of when you've, you're doing something that you love and then you start doing it as more of a, a project, as a, as a work thing and it just, it just kills the love. Yeah. And you're like, it just becomes a job. And we were, we've tried to really not do that because we all love playing and we don't want this to become a burden. Would you? I think you've yeah, said that exactly. quite a few times. It needs to be, f- above everything, it has to be fun. Because um, yeah. if it's not fun for us, it's not going to be fun to listen exactly, to. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, well, now this is a, a more straightforward question okay. from uh, Frankie. Frankie Roberts. Hey, Frankie. Uh, hey, Frankie. And uh, who's your favourite character? I think that's a pretty straight up obvious uh, obvious one. We, do you, I think you've been asked this before on the I've last been asked, been asked before. Still Philippe. I'm Team Philippe. <laughs> that that hashtag oh, that monkey. Hashtag Team Philippe uh, t-shirt is is going to be coming even if it's just for me. I am going to I'm going to get one of those. Team Philippe. Team Philippe. Now I d- I d- are we talking PCs or are we talking like everyone who's I know I was thinking about this. I would say we could open it up because I think it's a bit unfair for you to say obviously with the player controlled characters mm. um it, it's going to look a bit like you're choosing a picket you're 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 choosing a sort of fence to sit on and say oh they're, they're my favorite character. I'm sure you love us all equally. Um yeah. I love you so, all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I do and I love everyone's got their own like 
everyone has their own moments everyone's very good at working out who the protagonist of any particular moment is and like letting them shine that's why everyone kind of I, actually bits. funnily enough linking into the the, the play style i think maybe that's come out as well whilst we've been doing the podcast is to give everyone else those moments yeah and um, when it's clear that it's their thing let them have it yeah um so let's broaden it out let's say any character you want I like because the NPCs are like my are like my weird fictional kids, yeah. and so I I have strong feelings about so many of the NPCs. And I, and I love the fact that some of them are planned, some of them unplanned. Yeah. It's like, what's your name? Uh, Bobby Bob, Mac. Bobby Mac. One of my uh, favourite NPCs. I love Bobby <laughs> Mac purely because of the voice he did for him. He's, uh, he's brilliant, and he um, just sort of got a life of his own. But you get really weird like feelings about. Cause I've been re-listening to a load of the earlier episodes over over Christmas to um sometimes in front of children who don't believe in santa anymore um sorry Sorry. just to try and recap where we got to and and some of these other things and i'd forgotten how angry i was getting at you guys about how you treated sheriff feldane back in the day i i really loved sheriff feldane yeah um and it was just this kind of and it was exactly the right relationship that you had with her because she was um she was sort of based um on one of the character, on like a character from Fargo, she's meant to be like that kind of small town cop. Yeah, she's the small town cop who has never seen anything like this and does has no. She's not a bad cop. She just has no way of understanding um, how to deal with this situation. She's right. completely out of her depth um, on this. Um, and you guys were just awful to her, <laughs> like constant. But also, like, we didn't know fact- what we're doing. Yeah. Really, <laughs> who are you guys? Oh, we don't know. Um, I mean the fact you tried to shake her down for money like you were like go and speak to this person they, they'll be a good contact and you went there and were like what are you going to pay us for us taking this information we want from you uh, well you know. good old heroes yeah but I, you know there are so many like I'm I, uh, Chappie I, I love and I'm so he's a new firm favourite I think I'm isn't he we've got so, fan art for Chappie oh. well we're sort of fan clip art really yeah, um, I'm so sorry for uh, for what happened to Shappy I'm so sorry it was such a uh, Shappy and Balls they uh, they deserved better they did deserve better I mean it it was very funny um do you think he always had doom written on him was oh I he? think there was a bit of yeah I, I'm pretty sure um he was never going to make that make that 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 half light pass, was he? I I'll I'll swear with you, like like the notes for that were kind of like Shappy has no time for any of Shappy has no time for their antics. Was one line I had written in it. <laughs> I was like that that's like half an episode of content right there, it and it's like and they must be quiet to get through this bit successfully. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I know where this episode will go oh, yeah. based on those two things. Oh yeah, yeah, we were never going to be quiet, and also uh, it was um, failed stealth rolls. Uh, so even had we 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 sort of you know been been as good as we should have been, um, the dice went against us, and I think yeah. it was four of us failed our checks. I think it was only Velda actually successfully stealthed, and the and the NPCs, and then uh, everyone else didn't, did they? Yeah, but there's some really nice. Like, there's some good characters coming up. Um, I, I think people are going to like Freya. Um, I think. Um, and it, and I'm really happy with with Travis and Ica, and particularly with how they relate to Shania. I think their relationship has, if you go back to episode ten, I think um, that's what you thinks, and you see Shania and Ica meeting for the first time, and then you get through to some of the episodes which are coming mm-hmm. out now, uh, and some of the stuff that's going to be going on with them. Man, Drummer's been doing a great job oh, on yeah. some of that character. Like, there's so much great stuff there, and so much stuff we're going to be in. Uh, and there's an episode coming up in a couple of weeks, which has, I think, my favorite NPC oh. um, uh, of all time um, showing up in it. I, I hope he comes back again. So, there we go. Something to look forward to in the new year. And um, 
Okay, so we've we've got sort of uh, another question here from Freya again. Uh, you might see the same names. They are brilliant. Uh, they are sort of some of our, our star dangerlings. Hardcore. Hardcore. Do we need another name for like the elite dangerlings? For, like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's not start. Let's not start that. <laughs> we did, we can be... them against each other. <laughs> it's my natural uh, DM te- uh, although, tendency. Would you be up for that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, they, they've been great. Lots of questions from them. And uh, Freya asks again, how much preparation uh, does Dan do in regards to DMing, especially considering you spend most of your time off-piste? Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. I, generally, it varies a huge amount, but um, generally, I, I say I reckon it's about two to three hours of prep for every hour of content that ends up on air. He's not joking either. He does a fierce amount of prep. We mentioned it, didn't we? That's why our, our Monday Night Game has yeah. now Ross DMing, because it, it's a huge amount of work you put in, isn't it? It is, and it's hard to quantify because it's kind of... I'm doing little bits of research all the time. Um, you know, I... Me, me and probably Colin do a lot of work off it because Colin does all the editing um, and then sends stuff over to me to, to upload. And big up, Colin. Big up, Colin. Um, but he kind of... He and I were working furiously in the run-up to Christmas to get all the Christmas stuff ready to go uh, and then finally stopped and got to relax uh, for a few days. And like a few days later, we were chatting and I was like, oh, what are you up to? And he's like, um, I'm remastering some of the early episodes because... Because I can't, I can't let it go. And I was that's like, what he does now. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm reading a book about the Darklands, which might not come up, but might <laughs> just because. Yeah. I know. mean, I'm sure that a lot of DMs out there, if you're listening, uh, feel the same. Um, because how deep does the rabbit hole go? How how far do you go with your it preparation? Does. And it's it's a weird thing because it's kind of we're trying to be true to Pathfinder, and that's why I want to do a lot of research on Galarian and 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 the world and really understand this because the better prepared you are the more you can let people go off piste and the more you can uh, just it's, explore It's the ultimate sandbox, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you want to be able to answer that question. When somebody says, I walk off the screen to the left, you need to be able to tell them what's there. And sometimes it can be really fun to just make it up as you go along. Um, hence, carpe diem. Um, that, the, and the, uh, <laughs> the river sharks. And the river sharks. That, the, that probably are oddest that was the strangest one and that that was was. almost entirely like made up as we went um yeah but with and because we've done a lot of homebrew stuff recently like we had a big homebrew section bridging between the two modules we did lily lily and the lake lily and the the lake which someone is running by the way somebody somebody messaged me to tell me they are now run they're going to run that adventure for their adventuring party that's so cool as a little one shot yeah it's like a little as like a little one shot because i posted some of the like some of how i did it on our tumblr and so they've yeah they've taken that and they're going to uh uh, and they're going to run a session of it so if they manage to get it done in less than a month they will be better than us yeah yeah absolutely that's um, um but yeah you have to kind of but like if it's a social game you don't necessarily have to have all that prep like you can just make it up um and it tends to lead to a longer game but it can be a lot of fun uh, but i think for the fact that we want it to be quite tight and we want it to be quite um structured i do quite a lot of prep i do less than you might think for some things because we've been playing a long time and i I ultimately, I kind of know what all of you will do in most situations. Mm. Like, 
you tend to react to certain things as as players in, in sort of similar ways. Triggers. Yeah. So I can see be I can see a thing and be like, I know Ross is going to do that if this character walks in, or like, yeah. you know, or well, there's a high percentage. There's a good chance. Yeah, drums just become an, uh, a father, and uh, of course, anything child based, <laughs> he's just going to go all over. It, 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 yeah, because it, it, he's got that maternal, uh, maternal, uh, well, maternal in terms of the game. Yeah. Um, but that paternal instinct is very strong with drums. So yeah. yeah, we've all got our triggers, I think. Yeah, placing placing children in danger around drummers become something of a, a, a DMing it's crutch. a given it's an absolute given isn't it he just and, and watching him is extraordinary this he just like no I will save all the children which is very very commendable and uh, you know it's but he's really really passionate about it interesting um and now this is a this is a sort of a general question but mm-hmm. now we're, we've reached this sort of uh, this mid-stage in our journey um what do you feel when you look at where the podcast is right now from its humble beginnings a scant six months ago. I am so happy um, with where the show is now. Um, Yeah, the fact that it's six months has just flown by. It really has. Um, And the number of people who listen to it, like we don't know exact numbers who listen to it because Apple don't tell you that, Uh, but it's quite a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's certainly more people than I I would have expected to listen to me and my friends playing Pathfinder. (laughs) Like, Yeah, um, Yeah, but not that egotistical. We really didn't expect many people to listen, but... And and just some of the stuff like going going to MCM um, oh, this year, great. next week, last week, whenever MCM. Oh, <laughs> Who was... knows when? Well, do you know what? Actually, because this we are recording this uh, two days before its release, and yes. so we are actually almost in the moment. What? This is probably the first time we're actually, you know, pretty much on the on the time. MCM is done, yeah. and it was a there's, phenomenal experience. There's going to be a tipping point where we're actually closer to the next MCM than we were to, you know, oh. where those jokes actually start making sense again because yeah. we're a broken clock. Um, but no, yeah, going to that and like meeting people who were fans of the show and meeting some of the amazing artists who have done um who have done some work and, and who were you know who have, have sent in artwork just incredible stuff um and it's just the most exciting thing i i've had it when I've, with my comic book when people have done fan art but this is just something else because this is something completely there's no visual reference for any of these characters it's not like people are doing sort of copies of stuff they've seen in in my comic book um which i don't draw i, I write but the um yeah, people have envisioned these characters just based on what we've described and they've drawn them. And, and some of these things are just, it's just amazing. And I'm really proud of the quality of what we're doing. Like these, the episodes which are coming out, I genuinely think are the best ones we've done. Yeah. Um, and you, you really do have some good episodes coming up. And it's everything down to the audio quality. And like I was, mm-hmm. what started off as six of us sat around a Yeti mic in Colin's kitchen. Yeah. On the um, creakiest chairs yeah, in England. We weren't allowed to move because the chairs would creak and it would pick up. And, you know, it was... And now we have our, uh, you know, we have a mixing desk. We have a, almost almost a permanent studio in your bedroom. Yeah. Um, bedroom is a, a, a uh, way of downplaying. Yeah. It is an enormous room. <laughs> it is an enormous room. <laughs> um, but, you um, know, we have... We've, we've invested in loads of kit. We've got yeah. a load of new microphones that we're going to be taking to our next record. Everyone's going to have a pop shield Everyone, for our next recording oh, session, which is a huge thing. If, uh, for those who don't know, it's a, a sort of thing that stops plosives in front of your mic. Yep. Um, but it's all sound quality, isn't it? It's all investing so into... The... Uh, yeah, sorry to fans of plosives. Uh, yes. Your, micro- your headphones popping in your ears. Peter Piper is not a friend of ours. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but I, I couldn't be happier. Like, also, I'm I'm ambitious about it, um, and I think that is that's something that's come across while we've been doing it. And I, you know, I, you guys know me well enough. I think when we came up with this idea that I was like, we're not going to do this by half. We're, no. If we're doing this, 
we're doing it. And yeah. there have been points where we've said, and little things have come up like, oh, we could do this recording, but one person maybe couldn't make it. Um, and so we'll have to see, you know. And so far we've avoided that. And I, my mantra has always been that we want to be the very best at what we're doing at this. Yeah. We may not be right now, but our goal is to be the very best at doing this. Yeah. And everything we do should be geared towards doing that because people have been kind enough to invest their time in listening to us and, yeah. and I want to give them a really good show back for it. And I think we're on track for that. I, and the plans we've got for next year, um, how we're going to wrap it up, both in terms of sort of the quality of it, what we're going to do in terms of other events, um, but also some of the story. Like now we're far enough into it that I can really get into planning stuff ahead and laying seeds for stuff that's going to come good later on and, mm-hmm. you know, and building a story that we can all invest in. Um, I'm really excited about where we're going. Oh, that's nice. Me too. Me too. And uh, and with that, uh, Melton Rattlestones steps forward and says, Hey, here, roll this 20-sided day. And he gives you a dice. And you roll it. And you roll a natural one. Oh. And then you realize that all the numbers are ones. It's a natural one d- d20. And you step forward onto a pit trap that you didn't spot. And you fall and you fall and I've you fall. I've had this nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> right? I bet you have. And you fall and you fall. And you land. You land in darkness. And uh, all you can hear is the soft sobbing of your, of your party members around you in the darkness. And then as you grow accustomed to the light... You see a tall, robed figure standing before you, a cowl pulled out about their head, and and they gesture at you, and they say, Hello. How's it going? Hello. Hello. It go- <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the ghost of Adventure's future, and I? Eh? Eh? Right? Are you just doing this because you know Colin's not editing this episode, so we won't <laughs> yeah. cut it out? No. Big up, Colin. <laughs> Big up, Colin. We Don't. love you. Um, <laughs> so, well, no, because I, I need to... Uh, anyway, I'm going to explain the, the ins and outs of my story. You're, you're uh, sorry, sorry. Scrooge McDan. Car- carry on. <laughs> carry on, spirit. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he gestures towards a fire, and within it, you see these questions. Ooh. The, uh, the ghost of... Burning questions. Future. These burning questions. Um, now, the first one is from Frankie, again, Frankie yeah. Roberts. Now, this is something that comes up quite a bit, but... How much do you try and lead us guys in the right direction for the story? Mm-hmm. Or do you just leave it all to chance? I don't lose it I don't leave it all to chance because this is a show that we're doing for people to listen. So we do need to progress to a certain point. And also because I know what the end goal is at a certain point because we voted on a module that we have to get to in some way. Yeah. And you guys are pretty good at usually kind of guiding it along. Um Sometimes there are hairy moments, like when some of you are like, oh, we could just take over this base and live in Ilsurian forever. And it's just like, um, I mean, we can't. Do you, do you know, and, we- and weirdly, Scott is the one. He is oh, a, he's a secret homebody. He loves his bases. Um, yeah. I think, you know, he he's a ship, uh, a mountain base, a cave, yeah. a hole in the ground. He's like, guys, we can make this our base. Seriously. We could make this our base. It's like, no! He just wants to settle down. He just wants to settle down. Like, yeah, it's all an act. Uh, That's his ideal fantasy world is where he can just just settle down and put his feet up, which is for many of us. um, I I think think, think that's it. But no, he's, I think because, but he he knows that and he's very good at like putting that out there. Of course. course. Because otherwise you people would, you know, people would rightly ask, well, why don't these characters think of doing that? And then, you know, it's argued out and people um, sort of move on. But it, that comes up in... I mean, that can come up in, in social games as well. Um, oh, yeah. It and you, you have to know... Games, sometimes you do have to guide the party um, and you have to know how to do it in in a certain way. Like, it's come up in... It came up in a campaign way back where you guys refused to work for 
uh, a particular uh, NPC who had a, a quest for you, Lord and Tarn. Lord Tarn, uh, oh, and yes. uh, and the you know it was set up as this guy's a bit sketchy, but he's the only one offering work at the moment on the frontier. Are you going to take some potentially illegal work or some morally questionable work, or how do you you know to keep feeding yourselves and how do you do it? And and everyone flatly refused and wouldn't do it, and so I had to decide what to do. And I basically had, I basically ran a kind of fallow month, and we had a whole game session whole afternoon where not much happened there was a lot of downtime uh, and there was some little side quest and you guys didn't make much money and it was kind of it was a way of without trying to punish everyone for saying you didn't do the thing that i'd planned uh, because that's part of the story we'll go with that but it's also to try and get some realism in this world of like well you have turned down the only work that there is yeah. so now you have now you're unemployed for a month and we have to like and we'll we'll play with that and we'll, we'll explore that story and we'll, we'll see where that and that ended up taking us on a different route and so you can kind of... I think that's a great example. Yeah, and it, would, it was a hell of a story arc, but by the yeah. end, he, he turned out to be the arch nemesis, didn't yeah. he? But it would have been the same in... Um, like It would have been the same if you'd stayed in Ilsuri, and it's kind of trying to communicate that. It's like, well, there's nothing happening in Ilsuri. What are you going to... Are you going to settle down and, like, fish? Um, yeah. Like, there's no... There's nothing to do here as adventurers. You need to get out into the world and, and explore and travel. Um, because you, staying in one place very rarely, adventure doesn't come to you. You have to go out and find it. Well, I mean, um, that's that's Velda's watchword, isn't it? Because he's <laughs> I, I described him as the armchair adventurer when we started. Because yeah, he's still somewhere peaceful. I think it's getting easier now that we're kind of getting more character stuff because I can give individual character hooks and give reasons why we're sort of going to places. Yeah. Um, and and they're easier breadcrumbs to pick up on. The only times I really kind of do direct like out of character. Um, stuff is if we're doing a particular episode the best example was recently in uh the passenger the episode we just had uh, on the boat where the ever where the Ica was discovered and everyone has a lot of chatting with each mm-hmm. other um i said to everyone i said to you guys beforehand i was like we're gonna do a lot of character explanation at the moment uh we're gonna give everyone i want to give everyone a bit of time to breathe so just be aware of not crashing each other's moments yeah um and just kind of don't just walk into the room. Like, if you're not in the room, just assume you're not in that scene. And I, I kind of cued everyone up on that. So I would say, oh, and Velda, you walk in now, and that's your cue to kind of join the scene. Yeah. And it was just a way of structuring, a way of getting a lot of character and a lot of exposition into one episode without it turning into everyone shouting over each other. Yeah. Because um, you have to make sure everyone gets their moment in something like that. You do, you do. And I think your point about making it uh, an organic and a natural moment, of course, when you're traveling on a boat, uh, you are in close confinement. But it is that kind of thing that you do. You stand at the rail and look at the scenery and you talk mm. and you you have a chance to, to, to speak. And, and also for you as the DM, um, it's unlikely things are going to happen. I mean, a, a giant kraken comes whooping out the river. Nah, you just poddle along going mm. to wherever you're going. So, yeah, I think it was well, uh, it worked really well. The entire Lily adventure was technically a, a random encounter. If you want a, uh, a look behind the scene, I, I yeah. rolled on the random encounter table for rivers and it just came up as ghost ship. With no explanation. Really? Yep, and from that I wrote that adventure. Oh, no That's way. one of the many fun things that... It, I think it's in the Game Master's Guide. It's just got a table you can roll on if you're travelling on a river of something interesting that might happen. Ah, um, and that no. just came up, and so I just wrote an adventure based on that on that one line. There we go, there, there we go. go. And I think that's quite a nice uh, note to any future DMs out there to make use of these resources you know don't always feel you have to come up with the ideas yourself um i think there's a lot of background character stuff as well if you're if you're rolling a character you can roll on a table and just it's ideas and even though we've been playing for years 
we still use those. Yeah. Because it gives you an idea that then you can expand upon and maybe eventually discard the original idea altogether. But it just gets your your mind working on what, what kind of stuff could happen. Yeah, tables are great. They're great for giving you inspiration to, you know, to jump off on and stuff. Um, and, and and all of the bat matter stuff is just good. It's just they're just story ideas, you know. If you can get something, one thing that if and usually you can tell if you're reading through a thing and something jumps out of you, something about it just says that's cool. Like I just saw that as a ghost ship. I was like, that's a nice idea. And then from that, I'm like, I know I can write an adventure about that because that is the one that's jumped off the page. You know, that has caught something in me, and I can write something with that. Yeah. Yeah. I love throwing ghosts at you guys. Oh, you do. You hate ghosts oh, so much. And I hate ghosts so much. Ah, oh, so so much. Um, now this is another question from Frankie. I know I'm doing two from Frankie, but this is a very good question okay. and one that has been on the minds of of the Dangerlings, of everyone who listens, and more importantly, us as players. Um, but she asked the very pertinent question: How much more adventuring before any of the characters become any good at the things they do? <laughs> Like, <laughs> like with spells and whatnot. Uh, mean, now, now the, it, we. It has been a very gentle curve for our character's yeah. experience. Uh, do you want to elaborate a bit on what what I mean by that? So, um, the way experience works in Pathfinder is you gain experience for solving uh, encounters successfully, and when you have a certain amount of experience, you level up, uh, and you can run it in. There's actually three modes. You can run it on fast, medium, or slow advancement, and the the thresholds go up or down depending on how long a campaign you want. Uh, and sometimes you can track it offline. You, you can track it in the background and tell people. And I kind of track it in the background just to give me an idea of where people should be relating to the adventures they're running. But also because we're playing particularly leveled adventures, um, I do kind of pace the leveling of the party. It is kind of artificial in terms of I'm kind of like, okay, this is the point in the adventure where you need to be this level in order to progress on it. So that's where we're going to do it. Or it's the right moment to do a level up. Right, okay. It is, it's not as far off as you might think in terms of, like, we're not, in terms of consistency, you first leveled up around episode... I think 17, 18, something like it that. It was quite far through, yeah. Yeah, it, it was right before you made the final assault on um, uh, on the thing. I think it was, On the warehouse. Yeah, I yeah. think it was Danger Daycare you leveled up in, or maybe maybe Bad Manners. I think we fought um, uh, Moncolio. Yeah, you just killed Moncolio. Yeah, and, and that, that, was, was, that, was that was the, the, that was the catalyst moment. to be like, boom, okay, fine, you've, you've learned some stuff. And then you've been through a similar number of episodes since then. So you're not far off leveling up uh, yeah. to level three, which will be interesting. I love that Colin doesn't get his spells to level four like we're oh. going to be over a year of gaming before colin gets and he's a technically a spell casting class really <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's going because spell casters tend to be very very weak low levels and then they become very very powerful yeah, late levels definitely. so you've really got to shape i mean you might have noticed velda's just pew pewing his way through the adventures mm. but a, a, an interesting question occurred to me whilst you were answering that yeah um would you say that the most interesting part of a, a journey for a group is the beginning when people are a bit rubbish they're not very good is that more interesting than when later on when they're flying and they're yeah. shooting sort of god bolts from the sky and I, things like that as a dm i love low levels ask any dm they will say the low levels are, are the fun ones and if you look on paizo's website there are twice as many low level adventures as there are high yeah. level adventures and part of that's because you know you have to play through all of those to get to the high level ones yeah um but it, there's just it's just it's simpler it's rawer um the stakes are constantly higher because you can die at any moment there's yeah. no 
you know, when you get to higher levels and you have someone in the party who can raise dead, then it becomes like, well, I mean, how how big are the consequences of dying if we can just bring people back? Although yeah. you guys don't have a cleric, so... No, uh, we don't have a cleric. Um, um, I think it's nice as well that there can be things that we just can't beat. If yeah. a dragon pops up, there is no way we could possibly defeat it. We are as weak as everyone else. Mm. Um, whereas, of course... If you haven't played these games by sort of level twenty, yeah, you can you can strangle a dragon with your bare hands. It's yeah. it's really, it gets pretty pretty out there. I imagine that's very hard to DM. It, it can be, and you have to kind of you have to if yeah if they're because monsters at high levels have so many abilities and so many immunities and so many things. And unless you're using something like Hero Lab that hat tracks all of that, you're doing all of that in your head while you're running the encounter. And it, it, yeah, it can get quite mind-boggling with the maths, but also they can be some really epic encounters. And when you can just do like, when you can have like a, a level sort of 10, 11 fight, and you're just like make a will save, fail, you're permanently blind. Something like that, you know, huge things like that yeah, happening. And then yeah. maybe there's a spell that can fix you, but it's in another town, or like you've got people and you've got people teleporting across the world, and you know. Um, it throws players as well because you kind of you have this weird progression as characters where in the low levels you're terrified of everything because you're tiny fragile eggshells and then you hit about level about level six or seven you get this weird adventure mid-level hubris that sets in where everyone becomes slightly dickish towards npcs because you're more powerful than every regular person that you meet but you're not necessarily that godly power you haven't learned responsibility to go with that power no so you get this thing of people being like well why should we help you we're more powerful than you you know and everyone is everyone becomes just a little bit ruder to common people <laughs> yeah um and i i always try and get across the idea that guards are a bit scared of you now or these and then you get this thing once you hit kind of once you're over 10th level you're the most powerful people in that kingdom um and you know and you get moments where players will be like why is there not a priest in this? Um, why is there not a, a powerful cleric in this city? And you're like, you're the powerful cleric. Yeah. You are the most powerful people in this kingdom. You are their version of Hercules. Yeah. You know, you can't look to anyone else to help you now. Um, you have to be these people. Uh, and that itself gets quite interesting. I, I love that relationship between players because part of this kind of game is your characters do get detached from the world that they become from because they yeah. get so much more powerful than yeah. and you look at retired adventurers in in all the npc guides um and they're only like level five six you know they that's kind of the standard thing of like a, a hero who retires from adventuring and founds a town he's usually like a level six fighter or something like that yeah. and you guys will blow through that um you know not well, super maybe. quickly. Yeah. yeah, but you know, level three is coming and it's going to be exciting. It's true. It's true. And I was going to ask a question about, um, you know, the, the future, uh, but I've actually, I've altered it given Ooh. the course of this, this uh, well, chat. You are a wizard. You can. I, I, I am. And um, I'd like to know, we've talked about the, um, obviously coming up with adventure and the preparation you do. We've been following Paizo's excellent adventure modules thus far, Murder's yeah. Mark and now the uh, the Godsmith Heresy. Any homebrew on the future? Do you see homebrew being something that you might do based on the, a vote? There um, will be some homebrew. It's going to be... Um, 
there'll be homebrew bridging adventures, but also it's going to become much more ingrained into the adventure now. Okay. Um, like there were tiny bits of it in in Murder's Mark, like obviously, like we talked about going, the skulks being homebrew just yeah. because you walked off off map, and little bits like making the temple. The temple in the in the in the module guide is Elistril, which is a god yeah. of sort of frontiers. I made it Yomadai because the- it's Colin's god, uh, and so there was just a link there to. But now we're kind of now we're really embedding character stuff into these modules, which is what you should do if you're if you're running them yourself, um, and you're making them personal to the players. You want the idea. You want anyone to be able to run one of these adventures, and it always be different uh, depending on who you're running it for because of the the different things you add to it. So this homebrew is going to be creeping in a lot more, but it's going to be interwoven with the main story. Um, and we might find, you know, it, we're really like we're really leaving it open to where the story takes us. And yeah. it might be if it takes us in a section where there's something we can explore that we haven't done yet that is better told through homebrew than through a module. We might do a another. I don't know if we'll do another ten games of homebrew in a row like no, we did, no, but yeah, we but might. Um, yeah, and we'll sort of we'll sort of link it up there. But there are so many great modules that I want to play. You know, there are so many good ones, and coming they up. are good. There's they are some good. really good ones. Interesting, interesting. Well, now we're going to come to the the last question of the mm-hmm. of the Ghost of Adventures Ooh. future, and uh, this is from Louisa Luxford, who uh, is actually my sister, um, who is a big fan of the show. Um, been listening hey, since the beginning. Hey, Louisa! Big shout out to Louisa. She's so excited to be asking a question, and uh, and I thought this was a particularly good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she says, "I'm in awe of your awesome, cool, calm in the face of nonsense and diversion from the intended, and your truly imaginative DMing." However. <laughs> I can't help but wonder if you miss being on the flip side and playing a single character instead. Do you see yourself as a permanent DM for the Danger Club, or will there come a time where roles could change around amongst the group? Ooh, what a good question! And I don't think we've even talked about that yeah. within the group. So, what do you think? I I really like DMing. Um, I find it hard to play one character for very long. Um, I mean, because you're so used to playing NPCs, do you I think, think there's or? a little bit of that, but I also can get bored quite quickly and I want to try out different things. And I, I, I always want to be because I'm really in it for telling stories. I don't care too much about the sort of abilities and things. Um, and I'm the same when I play any games. You know, I'm constantly re-rolling new characters all the time to try new dif- uh, different abilities and things. And, and like and I'm enjoying in our social game at the moment. I'm quite enjoying playing for a change and it's, it's quite nice. Um, but at the same time, also you know ross is quite new to dming um and so mm-hmm. i've been uh, I, i've helped him out a little bit with that not lows like he knows what he's doing on it um he doesn't need me very much but there's kind of i've still got that element of like it's a game system i don't know so i'm learning the game as well and that's yeah. kind of has an interest in it i i could see a chance like we have had um scott has dm'd in the past i've seen yeah. ross is very good dming um i could see some good adventures being run by by any of us i don't think it would work in the course of one story i think you need a consistent um dungeon master because there are horrible things in store for you that um, none of you know and i'm not going to give any of that away <laughs> to someone so they can run a game no um but if in the future, if we were to like, if we would expand into a second show or, uh, you know, if our schedules ever allow for that or anything like that, yeah, maybe we could see that happening. Um, yeah. So we could kind of bring a, f- bring a fresh take to it. Um, but I enjoy playing. I play um, I play a Roll20 campaign. Um, I've got a Paladin than that. So and I, and I like playing on there. You scratch um, that itch. Yeah, a little bit. I find it quite hard to... I find it quite hard to stay up to date with what's going to remember what happens in sessions when I'm not right in the middle of organizing all of it. When I'm playing, I come back and I'm like, 
and I'm struggling to remember everything that happened last week because I, w- I don't have all the notes and everything in front of me. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it's just, I'm just not used to it. I'm just, it's just an alien world to Or lack me. of. I mean, I have to point out that sometimes Dan's notes have just said, <laughs> winging it. <laughs> and I joke you not, that, that is that. But, but generally, yeah. I think, and I think we've, we've talked quite a lot about the preparation you put in, the two, three hours of work before each episode. And that is also, uh, you know, sort of made shorter because you do have a vast amount of experience and knowledge based on it. I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, feeding your ego at all. But like you said, you've been playing this since since you were in the playgrounds, haven't you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that interest in the law, that interest in the world, it just, it helps like any job you could imagine. You know, having the years of experience means you don't have to look up the tables for a background of this. You kind of know the, the level of this. Mm. You know that if somebody does that, this is going to be the consequences and all those many, many questions. So... There is a practical consideration, isn't there, to, to yeah, say and it, DM. And it works for the show because it lets, you know, it lets you guys focus on character um, when you have a nerd like me who, like, can be like, no, oh, it's, it's it's actually a plus, it's actually a plus four bonus or you have to, you know, you yeah. can't combine this with this or, you know, yeah. um, where you have someone like me who can, who can helpfully, like, check up on abilities that you've used. Um, you know, for example, like, if there had been a long Christmas break, um, yeah, your DM yeah. who would have had time to go away and like fact check uh, any abilities all of you have been using and find out how they actually work in the rules. There we go. That's, so, that's uh, the sort of prep. look look forward to some chickens coming home to roost oh, in the new year. Oh, jolly good. That's that sounds lovely. And uh, and I think also I'm sure that any DM out there will feel this the same that. Um, I'm sure playing even with close friends can be quite intimidating sometimes because we'll try it. If we yeah. think we can get away with it, we'll chance a... I mean, we've had the whole, it's a surprise round, so let's just shout at the DM <laughs> as quick as we possibly can. And that's how surprise rounds work. It's not. Um, and you, as a DM, I imagine, have to be pretty hard line sometimes. Yeah. This has helped, be, like, um, doing this as a podcast, the one really, really good thing it's done for me as a DM is maybe toughen up with all of you guys. Because you I used to... Tough. I let you get away with so much you stuff did. in you the did. past. You know, I've reversed deaths that have happened because, they, you know, it didn't... People were upset or, you know, I've done all this kind of... Now I'm like, no, people are listening and they will hold me to account. So we are doing this right. <laughs> um, but also I've learned... Like, that's something you learn as you, as you go on is actually you can just trust in the rules. And if you're... You need a good group of people to play with. You need people who are mates and who will just run with it. Yep. But you can just trust the dice and you can let the dice tell the story. And yeah. you can let the things happen. And if someone dies in a weird way, then they died in a weird way and you run with that. You know, And you don't have to keep tipping the scales to do what you think the story should be. You can let the story evolve on its own. Absolutely. And I think it's one of the things that we all love about the game is the, the random element by the dice. So many times they fall true. And actually, when you should be surprised, you're surprised. And yeah. when somebody should die in a weird way, they do die in a weird way. Yeah. Even though actually, statistically, it was more likely they wouldn't. Yeah. But it just feels right. Just feels oh, right. Can you imagine, like, you, you falling down the pit? The, down. the odds... F- sorry, falling down the pit. The, but, oh, being dropped down the pit, okay. Pushed. The odds of that <laughs> happening. Again, because we didn't have a map, we didn't know where everyone was. When I said, I'm going to roll this dice, if it comes up... I think it was a, it was a D8. Oh, that pit. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I was like, if it comes oh, up as a, so if it comes up as a one, something will happen. I yeah. was like, it's not gonna like, there's no chance that this will happen, and it did, and it was one of the funniest moments in it, the whole it show. Really was, and Often you nearly quoted, died. I nearly died. I nearly bled out. But also that combined, pit. that was also combined with a little bit of hand tipping because I was like, we're not gonna run this in rounds because if we do, I think Velda will perma die, and oh, that's yeah. a really <laughs> well. We had to allow the group just to, to laugh, and, and yeah. to be honest, it was really funny. It was one of those moments that we did not script. <laughs> that is pure. Just 
just just the chance of the dice and yeah. and it works so well because it was Velda as well like it was very good very oh good. poor Velda so so we've come to the end of our journey and you 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 wake and you're <gasps> lying in your bed and the sunlight is streaming through the shutters and and you feel that maybe it was a dream but maybe you could learn something from this and 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 thinking ahead I don't know do you have any uh, any lessons you've learned? Any predictions for the future? What, where, where do you see the next six months going? What day is it today? What boy? day? I am turkey. Or I, some pocket beans. I'm going to go to Bob Cratchit's house. Good. Um, yeah. And I am going to release 2d6 kobolds in through his window <laughs> um, and just let him uh, reap some experience. You have learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're going to have some real fun coming up. I think yeah. we've got a very different adventure to uh, Murder's Mark um, kicking off now. We've got some... We're starting to get into it now, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're we really... Are... We're, you know, I think Kermaga is one of the most exciting environments that we've ever done adventure is in um i think there's so much character to it and so much stuff uh, and i think there is um there's a lot of a lot of you guys coming out now in the story and a lot of relationship like the stuff with velda and fulton is really is yeah is developing and just getting better and better and this i've got to say is what well, i love it and the in the pit like them back to back in the pit like, know, right? unlikely allies again just by the the, the actions we just... took love it love it well that kind of like that sort of because we were talking about characters ages um on on the um thing. we were yes um and that that made me think because somebody asked us about the how old all the characters were and we we kind of did a little whip round and we found uh was it Karen girls 30 which yeah, is which, which is standard and and half orc years are the same as as you um Fortin is 40 which in dwarf years because hum- uh, different races consider adulthood different dwarf years Fortin is 15 years old which explains everything about his character it really does it really does um velda's the weird one because velda is 40 as well in in normal years which is according to sylph years 17 Sylph, yes but that makes no sense to me because sylphs have sylphs have no culture like they they that's the thing about them is they appear randomly throughout the world they don't there isn't a sylph society so they have no concept of what adulthood is no they do and actually i'm just going to uh we did have a question from miles eve yeah, and uh, he did ask, "What are sylphs?" You keep referring to them, and I don't okay. know what they are. And they you can are, answer this one. I can answer this one. Uh, they are um, humanoids, people who are descended from air elementals. So it could be some sort of, I don't know, uh, think of it as what you will, some gen- genetic mixing or things like that. Um, but they don't have to be hereditary. They're not like as you say. There's not a culture of sylphs, mm. um, but they are somewhat of a, a sort of magical anomaly. Just means a wind genie banged your mum. Yeah, basically, yeah, it, it means it's somewhere in your heritage. It's somewhere in a heritage, a recessant gene that, that comes out, and they have blue swirls upon their skin, mm. and they they tend to be followed by a sort of a gentle breeze, especially when they get angry, which gusty is quite wind. A, but a gusty wind. But they're loners. Um, <laughs> yes. But like, and one of their trait, one of their traits is that they're obsessed with each other. This that they're like is because they never meet other sylphs. No. When sylphs meet other sylphs, they get really curious about them and they spy on each other and they try to learn everything they can about each other. They're yes. just compelled to try to find out. And it says in the book that usually those sylphs either become firm friends or kill each other. Yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we've yet to meet another sylph. Um, but I think that kind of explains some of uh, Velda's. He's quite awkward, um, yeah. you know, and, and again, sort of 17. He's a juvenile, really. I mean, he's 40 years old in our years, but he's... Um, but it makes sense that he would behave like a like a 40-year-old human because he's been raised around humans. He's got no... Con- he doesn't know he's going to live for 600 years. No. He's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be lucky to I make think, 41. I think, I think the average lifespan is about 260 years. Yeah. Um, but... but he, 
the crazy one like uh, M's, M's, M doesn't know his exact age he's about mid 30s but he's half of his human years he doesn't know for sure that, I think we explained that'll that'll come come he's um, sure. Shania 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 is uh, Shania is 378 years old mm. drum was really specific on that when we he asked was very there was a lot of debate um, and that came but which is about 40 for uh, for an elf it's about 40 for an elf and an interesting thing that obviously he's been walking the earth somewhat yeah. um, we've now learned a bit of why he's well she's been doing that um, 100 years yeah 100 years she's been walking the earth I mean it's it was it's a long time really interesting character stuff Um, and like because elves don't elves and drought they don't consider you to be an adult until you're at least 100 Um, which doesn't mean like it's quite hard to get your head around you can't buy booze yeah (laughs) 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 can't drive can't Can't drive that's it you know yeah you can join the army at 75 oh yeah of course yeah but but I always like I was like (laughs) does that mean that like do they develop slower? Are they just like, do they have the minds of children? And acne for 50 years. <laughs> just be like, oh my God. But I think it's just like culturally elves are really snobbish and they just do, they just won't give you any responsibility until yeah. you're that old. And it, like, it doesn't mean that you're an idiot. But yeah, Shania's been around for a while. So this stuff that like, this stuff that's happened in Shania's past potentially happened quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, so... There's a lot of scope for where it could be by now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if she has found her her son, um, how old is he going to be? Yeah, yeah, we don't know. We don't know all the stuff coming in the future. But um, but I think that's that's going to draw our, our sort of uh, our special DMQs to a close. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I think it's been really insightful. Thank you, Dan, for for being here. And um, and it is New Year's Day. Yeah. So, so we're raising a glass of whiskey, saying uh, Happy New Year's. Uh, to all our dangerings out there, Dan. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. I, it is. It has been a great year, and I think I think we we love you guys, and we're looking forward to a, a fresh new year full of adventure. Yeah, we are. I I wanted to um I wanted to sign off by like just giving you guys a a thank you for listening to us over the last year and um wishing you luck for the for the year ahead. I think the way we get into games like this is I think the reason that they speak to us is that they mirror um, reality. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually walked what? out of the room. He's actually walked out of the room. What, what have you? I will. I will. No, no. I will kill your characters. No, no more happy New Year's. No, this is. I am team team D, team Dungeon Master. Oh yeah. Team no. Zombies. This is over. I can't believe this. Oh, I cannot believe this. Yeah. You're the worst. What? Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. <laughs>